the New York half changed changed my career. Like, you know, it's one thing to know you're capable of doing something like that. And so I say it's not surprising because I knew I was capable. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole nother thing to, to do it. I mean, if you if you looked at me at the finish of that race, you know, I'm like crying on the ground, like hugging my coach. Like I looked like a man surprised, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but but what I really understood in that moment was that that time is what I finally needed to kind of legitimize myself. Hooray Run Podcast, episode 12. Noah Drotti is my guest. Noah made headlines in 2016 at the Olympic Trials 10K. Long hair, thick stash, backward hat, sunglasses, Drotti on the bib. The internet went wild. Who is this Drotti guy? Where did he come from? Well, Noah finished last in that race. Disappointment amid the surging interest in his career. A weird time for Noah. But since then, he's made huge gains while training in Boulder, Colorado with the Roots Running Project. And since joining Roots in November 2015, Noah has lowered his 10K time to 28.22, his half marathon to 61 minutes 48 seconds. In the clip you heard at the start, that's Noah talking about his 6148 New York City half marathon run in March earlier this year. Just ran his debut marathon on October 8th at the Chicago Marathon, 216-26, 19th place overall, 8th fastest American. Of course, we dig into Chicago. Noah is a Division Three product. He's from DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. A lot of Midwestern roots. And his story of how he became a fully sponsored professional runner with Saucony is one you're going to want to hear. We cover that. We cover a lot more. Still rocking the flow, the sunglasses, the hat, and races. He's got a great story from Chicago about the shades and about the mayhem at aid stations. Stay tuned until the end. I tried a new segment with Noah called Complete the Tweet. Had a lot of fun with it. That's late in the conversation. Before we get to the conversation, as always, my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Mikey, you gotta drop that beat for us. Joining me on the line now, a 61.48 half marathoner. He just recently ran his 26.2 mile debut at the Chicago Marathon in 216.26. Now sponsored by Saucony. He's a product of Division Three running. It's Noah Drotti. Noah, thanks for joining Hooray Run Podcast. And I know I read about you that you like to kind of lay low after a major race, and this is your debut marathon. We're just shy of two weeks removed from Chicago. Did you linger around your Midwest roots for a little bit? Did you hike it back to Boulder real quick afterward? How has it been since Chicago? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, no, I left I left Chicago uh, the day after I hobbled to the airport. Um, my my coach is actually uh, he got married to my teammate Aaliyah. Um, about a week later. So I came back 
I came back from that, but I am going back to back to Indiana next week to spend about a week at home and run the hometown race and everything. So I came straight back to Boulder, taking a little delayed vacation at the end of the month. Okay, got it. So marriage within the training group out there. Yeah, I mean, those are the two that they really started the training group um, a few years ago. So they've they've been together for. I don't know, five years or so now, and they finally decided to uh, to get hitched. <laughs> they, uh, Aaliyah ran Chicago, too, so she ran the marathon and then got married a weekend after. It's been Ooh. a busy couple weeks. Sheesh. And then you said yeah. you're head, heading back to Indiana in a, in a week to see family, hang out a bit? Yep. Yep. My, uh, my hometown, Irvington, which is on like the nearest side of Indianapolis, they do a big Halloween festival every year. Okay. Um, so, I, so I go back for that. That's like the, the big time to go back even more so than like Thanksgiving or Christmas, I think. Sweet. Sure. So Chicago for your debut, it's a world marathon major. There's a notable elite field, especially with the Americans. Uh, when you see those elite fields released for Chicago, you see your name among some of America's best. How are you feeling with this being your debut? That's a I mean, you've done some high-octane half marathons, but Chicago as your debut, were you satisfied with it? Were you sure of this as the first marathon? Like, you wanted to get after Chicago? That was in the back of your mind for a while? Yeah, um, we had planned on Chicago for a while. Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to run in the United States, wanted to run a fast course, in the in the fall and chicago kind of checked all those boxes definitely also looked at new york which is a great marathon but um preferred to run in the midwest for my first one and give give myself the best chance to run fast and in, in the first one so yeah chicago was the plan you know all year kind of building up to that and obviously when the start lists come out it's kind of a moment of reflection because you're like <laughs> you're like oh god i've i've committed to this and you swallow pretty hard when you see your name on a list of guys like that but um, that's something I've kind of gotten used to. I think the experience of running the trials and yep. a few other big races has prepared me to see those names. And, you know, the fanboy in me is still kind of in awe <laughs> when I see them. But I think the competitor in me is, is learning how to shut that down and kind of stay calm. Sure. Feel a more sense of belonging now with what you've accomplished so far. Really, in the last two yeah. years, the gains you've made. Yeah, slow and steady. Uh, you know, I think I'm getting to that point where... I think on my best day, I can compete with those guys, especially if they don't have their best day. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm like entering that arena. Um, you know, I'm not like solidly there yet. I don't have, I definitely don't have the credentials of a lot of those guys, but I think I'm getting into the arena where it's like, if I show up on a start line, you know, I, I, I have a percentage chance, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Did the race go as planned? I know you were writing that huge pack, through halfway at least and beyond and you guys went through in high 65 66 and change and then you came back with a 110 or so for your last 13.1 the second half mm-hmm. um yeah what, what were main um, takeaways from the first race i mean there's so much to learn in 26.2 miles exactly and that was really my main goal going in was to learn the distance get to know 26 miles um, I, I would say my fitness going in was kind of an unknown quantity. Uh, I was hurt all through June, so I really only got started in earnest in July. And, and I would say I put about 10 you know, good weeks of training together leading up to it. So I really 
uh, you know, I've run a little more mileage than I had ever had before, but I wasn't, I had no idea how that would translate to marathon fitness. So yeah. really on the day, I thought, you know, my, my a good day for me would have been a, a wide range of like 211 to 215. Those were all days where I would have come away and been like, okay, solid. That's, uh, that's something to walk away from. Um, ended up running 216, which is okay. You know, it's slower than I wanted. Um, we went yeah. through the first half, like you mentioned, just over, just over 66, which was probably quicker than I would have asked for, but I was running right at, we had a big lead pack. All the elites were in one pack. And, and so honestly, I was willing to trade like a slightly faster pace to kind of feed off the energy of the group. Um, and I would yeah. say I felt really, really comfortable through 18 or so, and then slowly kind of came apart, leading to a pretty like embarrassing last 5K where I was, you know, just trying to <laughs> trying to get to the finish. So I mean, the takeaway really was that, you know, I I have the ability as a marathoner. I just probably didn't have the build up under me to like carry me through those last five or six miles. Sure, I'm sure you had a pretty strong support system there, friends, family along the way yeah it was great um yeah a lot of friends a lot of family uh i'm you know i'm from indianapolis i lived in chicago briefly so definitely have some roots there and you know i get i get a lot of support from people i don't know too which is really cool even oh, yeah. even if it's just people who are like cheering me on because i have a mustache which <laughs> like i i noticed i noticed a few years ago that some people would just cheer for you just because you had facial hair and i was like well okay you know i'll take what i get um, you know, and so that was, that was fun too. Just the, the crowds in general were very supportive. Uh, it was crazy. It's, you know, almost, I've been in a few big races with pretty amazing crowd support and this sure. is definitely, definitely up there with, with anything. It's almost like you have a promise with your facial hair and the fans, because when you gained all that notoriety around 2016, 10 K trials for your flow and your mustache, you're like, if you're feeling one day you want to shave it off, you're like, can I really do that? I'm going to let down all my fans. If I, yeah, so you, I you've kind of made a commitment to this facial hair. I guess so. I mean, I've had it for so long at this point. It's not like I really changed anything. Yeah. But uh, but now if, uh, I don't know, if I ever decide to get a real job or something and have to cut my hair, that's going to be a, that's going to be a rough day. <laughs> Uh, up in the, the lead pack there at Chicago, is, is there a lot of chatter going on between these elites? Is there talking between training mates? Um, or is it pretty much, let's put one foot in front of the other, pound the pavement and get after it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it kind of, it kind of depends. It depends. I would say mo for the most part, there's not, there's not a lot of talk. Um, but it's not unusual to see people, you know, discuss a surge or something. Or a lot of times I've been in races where, you know, one of the uh, one of the veterans, you know, somebody who's been around for a while that I know and I respect, like they'll, they'll tell me what's happening. Oh, wow. that makes that make sense. Like, um, you know, I'll be in a race and there's a surge, and you know, one of the older guys will say, "Hey, no, like it's just a surge." Like they'll come back. And okay. they always do, you know, and so that, that's a really cool thing that I've been fortunate to experience in a lot of races um, that happened in Chicago, too. Sure. Um, Gleaning from the veteran you know, wisdom. That's cool that they kind of yeah. take, take you under their wing mid-race. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, I think there's a culture, um, at least amongst the part of American distance running that I'm associated with, that really looks out for each other, which is really kind of a beautiful thing. We want to beat people, obviously, but right. there's a certain point in the race where you're all just trying to survive. Absolutely. Um, the other times conversations seem to take place are like coming into the bottle stops. Yeah, I was just going to ask all... about the aid station stops and the mayhem that can oh. <laughs> ensue when there's just guy, 20, 25 guys, they're all trying to grab their specific bottles. Yeah, it's a disaster. Um, <laughs> some races, and, and different races are better than others. Chicago was a little bit of a cluster. Um, they They had like 30 men's bottles spread across four tables in a straight line Whew. so it's like you, you know like someone goes to grab their bottle but they knock they knock two over um and, the, and that was an issue for me i didn't actually get my own bottle until maybe like 15 or 20k which was like the third and fourth stop whoa um and it's some of that was my fault like once i grabbed somebody else's bottle um because i thought it was mine but it wasn't um and so this you, is one do you grab it and this, then just ditch it knowing it's not yours uh, just throw it off so so this is like one cool story where there was some chatter involved like i, I grabbed the bottle and i looked at it It was not my name um there's a guy named travis but we're all still in a pack at this point so in my mind i'm like there's a good chance that this guy is like around me somewhere you know and right. so i just started i just started yelling hey travis 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 and he was like two guys to my right oh you got uh, it and I was like, dude, I am, I am so sorry. Like, I grabbed your bottle. This is your bottle. You know, here you go. And he didn't, um, have, he didn't have your bottle, though, did he? No, he, nobody had my damn bottle. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I did notice his, his was very full. And so I was like, you know, after, take, obviously take what you need. But if there's any left, like, you know, would love to share it with you. Because, you know, at this point, like, I would love my bottle. But, but honestly, I just need to take in something. I don't, at that point, it's like. Yeah, for sure. You know. I'll, I'll take anything and and he was re- he, the kid was real cool uh he actually ran division three as well i, I came to find out in like no a way. 30 second station we had um but anyway so like that's one time where you can because in the marathon you know we're running around five minute pace which is pretty comfortable for us for mm-hmm. a long time so it's not like we're running a 10k where you're running you know 420 pace as long as you can like we're, we're able to be conversational and and those you know those moments do happen in a race but a lot of time, I think you're just trying to slip into the zone and be super concentrated, you know? Sure. What were you drinking that day? Um, so I was drinking uh, like a power gel just dissolved into water for the most part. Um, okay. So, and then I also had a couple bottles that were just like plain flavored Pedialyte just to kind of get the sugar taste out of my mouth and, you know, just something a little more bland. And then my last two bottles were just uh, flat soda. Oh, yeah. So I, I did a few different bottles, or I would have if I got them all. <laughs> Flat soda shocks a lot of people who don't know much about why you would have the like Coke intake during a race, but it's common at the marathon and the ultra distances. A lot of people pounding back yeah. Cokes and whatnot. Uh, tell yeah, the, the old school. To, like, yeah, the old school, like Shorter and Rogers down in Coke during mm-hmm. a race, and it just it throws people for a loop, but... Tell the listeners who may not know why, why that is a thing in distance running. Uh, caffeine and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. It's, yeah, it's as simple uh, as that. Yeah, the sugar, that means soda has so much sugar and it just hits your bloodstream really fast. I'm sure everyone can relate to that, you know, kind of that, you know, f- 
euphoria after you like drink a big soda in a movie or something too fast like mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what you're going for um in a distance race too so and it, it honestly it just is a nice break from all the other shit we have to like eat and drink so oh yeah so it tends to be pretty palatable can i curse on this i'm sorry i didn't mean to you you're can fine that out. go for it now <laughs> if i gotta if i gotta bleep it later i'll bleep it in that it's okay just do <laughs> Sounds it good <laughs> do it do what you feel is is in the flow of your conversation Oh, I'm going to get real nasty here. <laughs> Might have to put that explicit tag on this episode. Dude. We'll see. Uh, so Chicago, we might get talking a little more about Chicago, but I want people to know, again, your roots in, in high school to college, again, Division three product, and what you've done since college. I mean, just having your Go West moment where you picked everything up. and West, man. Yeah, Go West, young man. Um, high school, Noah, just briefly tell me where you went and what your PRs were in high school. Yeah, I went to a, a small school called the International High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I started running as a freshman there. That was my first season. My dad kind of dropped me off. The season had already started. I hadn't run a step over the summer, but uh, <laughs> my dad was like, I think you should try cross country. And, uh, you know, I was hesitant i knew my i knew my dad was good at it when he was in high school and everything so i was like yeah i'll show up um we went on like a three mile run through the woods and you know i kind of hung with the group and didn't feel too hard and so yeah then i got started but you know i was not a dedicated runner um probably until my senior year of high school you know i wouldn't i wasn't running on weekends unless we had a meet wasn't running in the off seasons um you know, I was, I was working at a pizza place that like, I was just like, not a super serious runner, but, um, I improved every year and, uh, eventually graduated with, uh, I think 1637, 5k, 955, two mile and just over a 430 mile. Okay. And then at what point senior year were you thinking, I want to take this to the collegiate level? Was that late senior year? Were you still kind of figuring out what kind of motivation do I have this? Do I really want to put in the time in college? Yeah, it was definitely late senior year. Um, for really my whole high school career, even maybe like first semester, I, I never really thought about running in college. It, it's not that I didn't want to, it just I just never even considered it because I didn't know that that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured my trajectory was going to take me to a, like a bigger state school like IU okay. um, in a university. And I knew, you know, I knew I wasn't the type of talent that or I wasn't the type of talent at that point who was going to be able to make any kind of team. Um, so a couple of things happened that led me to a division three level one. I got a really incredible scholarship um, that gave me free tuition to any Indiana university or college. Wow, so all that sudden, helps. yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden those high price, smaller schools who also are division three schools, like those possibilities opened up to me where they would not have been financially, you know, viable before. Mm-hmm. Um, two, my my coach, my senior year of high school, who was my first like real coach who knew running, you know, and he was the one who like, you, you know, made us do real runners workouts, everything else. Whereas before we were really, it was usually just like a substitute gym teacher who would come in and coach cross country and didn't yeah. know anything about it. But, like this coach really put me in a direction to like learn what real training was. And he also happened to be a DePaul alum. 
Oh, okay. uh, so he was the one who was like, man, you can, you can run, <laughs> you know, and, uh, encouraged me to visit a lot of schools. I did visit a lot of schools, but process of elimination ended up at DePaul university in Greencastle, Indiana. Yep. And while at DePaul, you were a two time cross all American cross country. <laughs> did you ever get all American status in track? No, um, I, I dealt with a lot of injuries in track, so it really wasn't until my senior year that I put together a full track season, and my, my 10K PR that I ran that year was uh, 29.40-something, Yeah, and that put, that put me like third or fourth, I think, on the list going into nationals, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I just ran out of gas at the end of the year, kind of stopped caring, and I think I, I must have been last at nationals, pretty close. Okay. I just want to make a quick connection here. You are not only D3, but you're also Great Lakes region. I'm a Hope College alum, so I oh, probably yeah. I probably raced against you a few times. You're a year older than me, so I was kind of scouring results okay. a little bit uh, the last few yeah, days. Uh, but you Michigan, were, right? yeah, yep, West Michigan. Yeah. Um, big rival of Calvin, and I know you had some you had some good duels with Calvin guys up front at the regional races a few times. Yeah, Calvin had some great runners. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I respected the hell out of those guys. And, you know, I try to keep in touch with a couple of them still. Sweet. Yeah, and you say in some interviews, like, I mean, comparatively, when you look at your college resume compared to, let's just take a few guys from a Chicago Marathon, like Chris Derrick, uh, Sam <laughs> Chalanga, Bumbleo, like, yeah. yeah, you can say you sucked in college, but at the same time, like, you were – a two-time cross-country All-American. It was Division three level, but still, like, threatening for a win, maybe at the Great Lakes Regional your senior year. I think you were fourth. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then go to Nationals and and mix it up in the top group. So it's not like Noah Drotty was just, like, never a Nationals qualifier, but you can also tell people that I am a Division three product and I never won a National title. So that's where people get really attached to your story because it's super relatable to uh, maybe a lot of kids coming out of college who are just on the fence about getting after it post-collegiately. Financially, we all know running is not super sustainable unless you have those high benchmarks and you get that sponsor right out of college. But Noah, after college, you had an internship in Chicago with the Warrior Dash company, right? Yep, yep, uh, Red Frog events. So okay. I moved out there pretty much right after I graduated. And you were still just kind of putting in miles here and there, but nothing seriously. Um, I I find a lot of maybe relation in your story of just like not knowing what I want to do employment-wise. I still got this love for running. At what point in college did you talk to any teammates? Did you talk to your coach? Or did, was it just kind of all solo of this dream of maybe continuing your running career after DePaul? Um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't even know if that was a dream of mine. Okay. Um, for a while after I graduated. Um, I knew, I knew I had something left in the tank, I guess. And I knew I wasn't done with running, but I was done with running right then you know like I, I envisioned maybe a time what i when i would try to come back and be competitive again but i was not motivated to do that yeah. right after i graduated and you know it, it took me a couple of years you know i did this internship i was running four or five days a week probably 30 to 40 miles and and that's really how my next 
couple years went, you know, mm-hmm. I would, I'd occasionally string together a few good weeks of training, then I'd get a little hurt, get discouraged, drop out, <laughs> you know, like, right. I, I wasn't, I just wasn't training seriously. And it took me, it took me a couple of years to really get to that place where I was like, okay, what is my talent? What can I do? Do I want to change the scenery? Like, is it worth the risk? But those, those aren't thoughts that I was having right after I left the paw. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your initial connection to the Roots Running Project out of Boulder? Yeah, um, oh, just to go back one second, I actually even did get an offer from a Division II school um, the summer after I graduated because I had eligibility left. Oh, um, okay. And I, and I actually, I turned that down because I, I, didn't, I didn't know, I didn't understand what another year of running would do for me. Like, that's where my head was at, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like full ride school out in California um, okay. for a year, of ju- basically just running. Sure. And I, and I said no to it. Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of <laughs> kick myself for that sometimes, yeah, but uh, it worked out for the best. Yeah. Um, so your question was roots. Was, was that it? Yeah. Cause that's the training group you're a part of now. And you had, like you said, that go, go West young man moment. Uh, when did that mm-hmm. click? Was it soon after a talk with the the coach of roots richie or just tell us the genesis of your connection to roots sure i think i I was just going through a time in indianapolis where i was kind of disillusioned with just like where my life was and like what i was doing and i didn't really sense any kind of forward progress like i was starting to train again but i was just doing local races not really much competition um i was working at at this point how old I think I was 24, okay. maybe 25. Yeah. Um, and then I was working at the running store, which, you know, I enjoyed, but I was there like 60 hours a week. It wasn't super fulfilling. Hmm. Um, as much as I did like the company I worked for and everything, I, I just, you know, I was getting done with that. And so, um, I, I quit my job. I, I took a trip out to California with, uh, a couple of my buddies and we, we did this long trail called the John Muir trail. Mm. Um, and wh- while I was out there, I ran a half marathon in Eugene. I think I ran 68 minutes and that was like my first taste of like the elite athlete treatment and, sure. and all that. So, but then I totally dropped off the radar. We were out, we were on the Sierras for about six weeks. And so, uh, you know, when I came back, that's when I was, when I came back to Indianapolis after that trip, I was like, okay, that was, you know, that's what it feels like to live your best life. Um, yep how can now what's my next step? You know what I mean? And so, and then it was a slow process. I decided that like running was my talent, running was my vehicle. Maybe that can be my excuse to, to leave and move somewhere else. And so started sending out emails, trying to contact groups, um, through social media, through email addresses I could find, you know, I, I, I contacted a lot of groups. Most of the ones you can think of, I probably sent an email to, yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, like Richie was the only one who even Richie emailed me back, <laughs> you know, that, like sure. that, that's the, re- that's the reason we connected. We talked on the phone a few times. He explained to me what the training system was like. It was way harder than anything I'd ever done before. But he basically said, you know, if you, if you come out here, like, I think you have some un- untapped potential, like I will coach you. Sure. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing else. There's like the group was hardly in existence at that point. There's no financial incentive, nothing, but here's a guy like willing to take a chance on me. 
And so I was like, yeah, that's enough. And he knows you're 68 and change half marathon. Is that really like the only credential he has on you at that point? So I ran, I ran one more after I had started speaking with him. So when I first talked to him, yeah, the 68 is all I had. I think he looked at my, my 2940 from college and saw that as the most promising mark. Right. Um, but I did run, I did run 66 minutes like right before I moved to Boulder. Okay. Um, so he did have that to go on to, but, um, but yeah, you know, I was like, I'd been to Boulder once before I was like, oh, I can see myself living there, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and I just like, I just like found a place on Craigslist, told him I'd be there on a certain date and I moved out. Well, are, you, are you packing like an air mattress and a backpack? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I have a Kia Rio and I just, that's what I brought. I filled that up. Uh, I didn't have any furniture or bed. Um, so I slept, yeah, I slept on an air mattress for a while, which is kind of a bitch because it like, it would leak all night. And so I'd always have to wake up at some point in the middle of the night and pump, pump it up with pump. this hand pump. Yeah. Not even like an auto pump. It was like a hand pump, and, which is like a really horrible thing to do at like three or four in the morning. Uh, rude awakening. But, uh, yeah. Rude Cave, awakening. Caving in in the middle of the bed. Yeah. Yeah, so I was, you know, I was maybe roughing it a little bit, but I, but I happened into really like great roommates. They were, they were uh, professional cyclists, you know, great team. Like I, I immediately like found a lot of good people in Boulder. So it was not a hard transition, Um, and I eventually got a bed. So (laughs) (laughs) we're talking like late no late twenty fifteen ish. This move. Yeah, yeah, yep. I moved in November, so I'm I'm just coming up to two years out in Boulder now. I was curious with roots if there was like a hub place for the group if you are maybe now living with some of the training training mates out there in boulder uh, is there a hub there for roots now or are you still on in this craigslist house uh no so i i've moved from the from the craigslist house yeah. um that, I, mean, I loved loves living with those guys though so it wasn't like some creepy thing um so so yeah, all the Roots people live in Boulder or, or like right around Boulder. Um, I live with runners, but no one who's currently um, in the Roots uh, Roots running project. Okay. And part of this transition from college to pro elite status, whatever term you want to use, but yeah, that, that's a whole nother yeah. <laughs> PR, PBs, whatever. Um, yeah. But. Uh, I've read in some interviews that you said you just felt like you had a lot more miles on your legs. You talked about high school, your time at DePaul, where uh, mileage was a little lower. And maybe in your talks with Richie and the Roots Running Project, you thought, I got a lot more miles left on my body. Let's see what I can accomplish going up to even 80, 90 miles. Uh, Is that part Mm -hmm. of Roots is just progressively increasing that mileage? Something that, again, like a 90-mile week, you may have never, never even sniffed in college. Yeah, that's definitely been like part of Richie and I's plan is to, you know, slowly bump up the mileage. We also do a lot more intensity than I've ever done before. So mileage isn't like we're not one of those programs where it's like mileage is absolute king, you know? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, you know, I ran maybe 30 miles a week in college. Noah meant to say high school there. He did run more than 30 miles a week at DePaul. Um, I think the average of my four years was probably significantly lower than that. Um, in college, in college, I got up to 70, but those were big weeks, you know, um, I was hurt for long stretches. 
So, so yeah, I didn't yeah. string together 80 mile weeks until like probably before the New York half marathon. I strung together 90 before Chicago. I just really felt like, you know, I'm 27 now, so I'm I'm middle aged <laughs> as far as distance as far as like pro distance running goes. Maybe even maybe even <laughs> older than that. But um, you know, I'm not a guy like Chris Derrick, who is a great runner and I like a lot, but who's been running 100 mile weeks since high school. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not that guy. And so so I'm hopeful that my my age as a distance runner is, you know, more like that 21 year old or whatever. So I can continue to be successful, continue to improve, you know, maybe a little later into my career and see bigger gains when I'm older yeah. than than a lot of my my counterparts. So that, that's one thing I'm thinking. I mean, it's like when you've been running 120 miles a week since college, it's like, what really can you do to get better other than continue to do the same thing? Or what are you going to run 160? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so for me, it's like, you know, I've run 70. I have got a lot of time to get up to 120 and hold that for a few years and just see what happens. So right. we definitely have a long-term perspective on it. And, you know, just obviously you got to stay healthy, which is a big thing. And just, uh, yeah, it gives me a lot of hope for like my potential in the long events like the marathon yeah absolutely is a lot of your training out there in boulder solo or do you have a couple other guys gals now that you are running with training run wise or even some tough workouts or is a lot of it uh solo on your own um so we on the hard days we always meet as a group so i'm always like around a team yeah. um right right now we've got like six or eight people so we all show up do the warm-up together um i would say i'm the only long distance guy right now on the team the other guys are more in that mile 5k we've got one guy training for a half okay so i would say more often than not my workout is solo or at least i'm solo at some point in the workout yeah um which is not really a big deal to me because that's the way i've kind of trained forever Um, but but i definitely do get help especially on speed days when those other guys blow my doors off. So it's a, you know, it's a great atmosphere at practice and I do benefit from that energy. And, you know, sometimes I run a rep by myself. That's fine. It's nothing that I really freak out about. No, don't lose sleep over that. Yeah. Your your coach, Richie, he's also a a sports chiropractor, right? Yep. Yep. That's a a big bonus there. He doubles as a, as a chiropractor along with his coaching. Yeah, he's great. Um, he keeps us adjusted, uh, you know, does the soft tissue work. Yeah. He's really like a one-stop shop for injury diagnosis. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I've worked with a lot of sports meds, like, over my career. And not just saying this because he's my coach, but he's really the best I've ever worked with. Most okay. thorough. Um, you know, he, he's kept me super healthy for two years. Like, pretty unprecedented for me how healthy yeah. I've been. Sure. And are you still working at Fleet Feet Boulder? Still putting yeah, in hours yep. there? Cool. Uh, yep. Was... So I'm, I'm going to continue doing that yeah. for the foreseeable future. Um, Lee Troop is a three-time Olympic marathoner. He owns the store. Um, yeah, Laura, that's, Thweet, that's another, Laura Thweet there. And then yeah. Troop, Troop is the boss. You ever pick his brain about his marathoning days? Oh, sure. I mean, he usually volunteers the information before I can ask <laughs> about it. But, <laughs> you know. um, but definitely, I mean, it, it's humbling to walk into work and, you know, you got – a 209 guy and you know one of the best female marathoners of all time and there's a couple other people there who've run you know the olympic trials and stuff so sure. sweet it's, with the, it's cool sweet with the big london run earlier this year 
Yeah. Oh God, man. I can't tell you how excited I was. was, (laughs) She's a a great person. Uh, She, she, you know, really deserved it. Right. Uh, I I love some of the, these quotes too, that you've given where it's like, you don't want to get so, we talked a lot about marathoning in this, these 30 minutes, but like, you don't want to get so tunnel visioned on the marathon and be like, cause you hear a lot of guys progress from the track to the roads. And it's like, again, I'm going to bring up his name for like a 14th time already, but like Chris Derrick, is transitioning <laughs> to the roads and he's like a full fledged marathoner. <laughs> yeah. Can we get a retweet on this? <laughs> no, seriously, Chris. <laughs> CD, come on, man. Midwest roots again, too. Illinois. Come on. Yep. Yep, Illinois. Uh, but you don't want to be like so confined to this marathon. Like you want to still branch out on the track. You, you mentioned again like the 1970s, early 80s guys, Shorter and Rogers, who would run like a 5k three weeks before they bust out a sub 210 and that's kind of like yeah. the, the grind in your mind and that you have talk about like wanting to have that range that some of those guys have yeah i mean i think that's one of like the most admirable characteristics of a distance runner is that they can they can do it all they can show up to a start line in a 5k and you know like you know there's always going to be college kids who are going to be faster than me at the 5k i think yeah. i think i've accepted that but I would I would like to show up to a 5K and be able to run 13:30 while still being in good marathon shape. Like I think that's right. just like all around athleticism. I think that's pretty important to me. And yeah, those old school guys. I mean, they, like Salazar went after the 10K world record like a couple weeks before Boston or something like that. I could <laughs> be wrong, but but you know it, it, that stuff is insane. And I, now I think American runners get into this tunnel where it's just like okay, I'm going to do a six-month marathon prep. I'm going to run a half marathon a month out and then do the marathon. And I'm going to run that half at marathon pace. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, ba- and basically, just to, one, there's enormous pressure when you're depending on one to two races a year. Right. I don't think I want to put myself under that pressure. Yeah. Um, and two, I think it's possible to run fast over multiple distances. Um, you know, maybe I'll tell you something different next year when I'm when I'm deeper into the marathon mode. But that's definitely how I feel right now, and how yeah. I hope my career progresses. Sure. So you got any like turkey trot five k on the radar for November? Um. So no. Well, I'm gonna yeah. do the the Pleasant Run Run in Indianapolis. Shout out. Sure. That's that's my hometown race. Um, I'm gonna do that. Try to win it for the fifth time. Good. Um, which which would be huge. Uh, so the. Uh, I'm doing that next week, you know, pretty much fresh off of like not running at all. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, no, I'm pre- I'm not really doing anything the rest of the year. I'll run Club Cross um, just because that's like a really fun time and a super underrated event for any of you college kids out there who want to like relive the glory. Um, Club Cross is a great place to go. So I'll, those are like the two races I'll do and um, haven't really thought about next year too much. Definitely, yeah. well, probably not another marathon until next fall. Okay. Got it. 2017 season, how many races, let's not get ahead yet, but like from now and retracing back to January 2017, how many races did you have this year? Oh, man. I I really don't know. I didn't race a lot. Um, You started with Houston half, right? Yep, ran the Houston half and then came back, then took like a little break and came back pretty quick in March um, okay. for New York. So those were the only two races I did in that like first part of the year. Um, after New York, I got back on the track. I ran Mount Sac 5K, Peyton Jordan 10K, 
Um, but then I got hurt. Um, and, and that's, that's, yeah. So I pretty much shut it down. I would have run USA's and K, um, but I wasn't running at all at that point. Right. And then we were basically in the Chicago buildup and I, I did a 10 mile race out in Michigan just as a tune up to try to get back in shape. And then I raced Chicago. So it was a pretty lean year race wise for me. Sure. The, the crim out there in Flint, 10 miles. Yes. Yeah, that's a great event. Um, I'm looking forward to going back there. Cool. Was Ritz, Ritz was there this year, right? Ritz is Dathan Ritzenhain, one of America's best ever distance runners, 12.56, 5K, 27.22, 10K, 60 flat, one hour for the half marathon, and a 207.47 marathon. Yep, yeah, he kicked my ass for sure, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he was out there, and we were, we were staying in the same hotel. It was actually, it was really cool to get to know him. Um, we both went to the expo together, and like the car door opened and Ritz was sitting in the back and I just climbed in next to him. Like it was nothing that, <laughs> that was a, that was a real kick for me. You talk about a guy with range there. My gosh, oh, his yeah. PRs are yeah, was, nuts across the board, even though he's now yeah. more road focused with Hanson's, but still you look at that guy's resume. Oh, yeah. Impeccable. Um, one of the, one of the all time greats for sure. Another Michigan born and bred. I think born. Yeah. No, definitely Rockford High School on on the west side of Michigan there. Yeah. Um dude, yeah, the Midwest put out some some tough some tough runners, I'll tell you that. Seriously. Hey, that New York City half in March, you said that was? Yeah, March. Um mm-hmm. the sixty one forty eight that again, I feel like you've had a couple of like well people have like <laughs> have misconceptions about you know like already a few times you're only 27 but like early into your professional running career but like you told people that 6148 at the new york city half didn't really surprise you or richie too much because you had run what 63 low pretty or at houston you ran 63 and change so sub 62 yeah go ahead so yeah but houston was hot um, which a lot of people weren't factoring in. They just saw the times, um, you know, and so I like, I think the general consensus from everybody in that race is that the times that were run were worth about a minute faster. Um, the humidity was insane. It was just like not fast running conditions. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you take my 6320, you take a minute off it, you know, on, for a perfect day at 6220, you know, who's to say six weeks later when I'm in better shape, I can't run faster. So it wasn't, it wasn't super surprising to me, but it, but I, I understand how it looks surprising on paper. Yeah, sure. And then, uh, following the, the 6148, you got on the track a little bit, but you know, that sub 62 half marathon really got more and more fans pumped about your marathon debut. And, um, I think, you know, beyond that 6148, now looking at 216 in the marathon, there's just, and the eighth fastest American at, at Chicago, even though maybe you wanted more, maybe like top, top five American, but still like this year has been quite the, would you say there's been a big jump or you've had a few of your most impactful races of your entire running career in 2017? Oh yeah. I mean the, the, the New York half changed, changed my career. Like you know, it's one thing to know you're capable of doing something like that. And so I say it's not surprising because I knew I was capable, mm-hmm. but it's a whole nother thing to, to do it. I mean, if you, if you looked at me at the finish of that race, 
you know, I'm like crying on the ground, like hugging my coach. Like I looked like a man surprised, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, but what I really understood in that moment was that that time is what I finally needed to kind of legitimize myself. Yep. I'd had some good races previously, but if we're talking sponsorship market, like I still, I was missing that one last piece to my portfolio to get companies like legitimately interested and and I knew going into New York that that was like a huge opportunity to finally be like okay I'm I'm for real like give me a contract yeah <laughs> you know what I mean and so when I'm I I'm here for finally, the taking yeah anyway. yeah it's like it's like okay do, do you guys understand that I'm a real competitor now yep and and I think that happened after New York um which was huge. Like the New York was the biggest emotional buildup and then release <laughs> of any race I think I had. And, and I struggled for a long time after New York to, to get back into the swing of things be, because it was so huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, New York was the most impactful race of my career so far. And then in May you get the Saucony sponsorship had to be a thrill. How did that come to be? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird world of sponsorship. So you hire an agent and then you just kind of step back. So I wasn't yep. like super aware of what was going on um, <laughs> until stuff was on the table. Okay. Um, and so we, we signed it just the night before Peyton Jordan 10K. Um, you you want to sign them before big races. Companies want to sign you before big performance. As an athlete, you want to sign them before big performance because mm -hmm. there's bonus incentives. Um, and so it was like, okay, this is a good time to get this done. Um, my agent flew in, Saucony flew in, we signed it, we signed it on the back of the rental car late night, <laughs> you know? And then it was just like, it was just like, okay, I run for Saucony now. And it was very, it's very surreal. You know, I, even when I made the move out to Boulder, my goal was not to be, I mean, maybe it was, but it wasn't something I thought about like being a signed professional runner. Um, sure. I didn't think that was a possibility. I knew how hard it was. And then so to finally be in a position where it's like, here you go, we want to make you a full-time athlete. I mean, it's a dream, right? right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it is. It is. You told the morning shakeout, I believe it was, you said in an interview before the sponsorship, maybe well before it, you said – in an interview that as long as you can pay your rent and you buy your groceries, you're pretty satisfied financially. And, and you know, you knew going into Colorado to Boulder that money's not going to be on your mind in this. So making a lot of money, you said, has never really been a main priority of mine. Uh, and so now that I'm still not making a lot of money, again, this is before Saucony, um, you said it's kind of a business as usual from that standpoint. So Saucony, becoming a full-time athlete is just an extra cushion. Not yeah, much, not much sure. has changed day to day. Um, no, not much has changed. I, I work less now. Okay. Um, that's, that's true. Um, I quit my job at the gym that I hated. Um, <laughs> I, I got out of that. I was working there um, a couple nights a week. And, and now I, I just work three shifts at Fleet Feet. So, okay. um, you know, I'm, I'm under 20 hours generally. So I'm working a lot less than I have before. But, um, yeah, I, it just enabled me to kind of live the lifestyle that I, I know what it takes to be successful. And this allows me to do that a little more, a little more rest. But mm -hmm. 
you know, it's still, it has, you know, it doesn't, your running doesn't change at all when you're, you're sponsored, you're just wearing different gear. Um, so like day to day, nothing really, nothing changes. I guess I just have, you know, a more secure source of income now, which is great from a stress standpoint. Um, but I think the goal is always to continue living the lifestyle that got you successful in the first place. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of my goal. And it's not like I'm making like life changing money. Well, for me it is, but like for a normal person, you know, (laughs) like, but you know, so it's, yeah, I got a dog. That was my, that was my splurge. You got a dog. What kind of dog? She's a greyhound. Her name's Sarah. She running at all? No, not really. She's okay. old. She's she's re- she's retired from the racetrack. Yeah. She hung um, up. Yeah. She hung him up. And and actually, I, I first wanted to get a greyhound back when I was in Indianapolis, and I thought I had hung them up. I was like, oh, I'll get a retired dog. It'll be it'll be we'll be best friends. We'll both be retired. It'll sure. be awesome. And now here I am, and here she is. Got the dog in Boulder. Got the dog in Boulder. Good. Um, yeah, so a new line of Saucony hats. I'm sure you're toting every day. You're a hat guy from what we know. I am a hat guy. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely hoping to work with Saucony to get some new stuff going. Yeah, man. Have you, have you had any hat malfunctions in races? Uh, something where you had to ditch the hat or got caught up in the hair? Anything go wrong with hats while racing? Um, not with hats. I, I would say more so sunglasses. Yeah, the shades. Um, yeah, like I have like <laughs> I have really thick eyebrows, and so like they get super sweaty, and then that gets on the glasses. And you know, when you're running, and just like one small thing can just drive you insane. Like oh, right. for me, that's when that for me that's when my sunglasses get like water on them, and then all of a sudden they're like you know kind of murky looking, and yeah. And so then I just ditch them. I do like like some some kid on the Chicago course got a pretty nice pair of sunglasses that I threw at him during oh, yeah. the marathon um those souvenirs so yeah. the bottles yeah. the apparel that you can catch in the crowd yeah oh yeah that, that kid had no idea who i was he just got like hit in the face with a pair of sunglasses he's probably mad at me <laughs> <laughs> um but no hats are pretty secure man sure um, what, what's your saucony training shoe of choice um i run on the saucony ride which is just kind of their standard neutral trainer um yeah. You know, and I actually have run in this shoe since high school. Um, It's always the shoe that I, you know, like bought for myself. So, like, I was actually really stoked to run for Saucony because I was very familiar with their products um, because it's what I'd always, you know, trained and raced in. So, yeah, the ride is, I I have a box, it's on, what version is it on now? It's on the 10th version. I definitely have a box at my mom's house that is uh, version one. Yeah. So, it's it's been, been kind of fun. The OG, you've been with them since the start. Yeah, they just didn't know it. That's cool. I didn't know. I didn't know you've been running the Sockenies for a while, and then you now you're a full time sponsored runner. That's that's another dream. I mean, you said it was the dream getting the sponsorship, but having it be with the company you've been loyal to for a while that's even better. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to work with people and products you like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going to Chicago here the day of. I mean, you get a you get a tweet from Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> what was what was that and then you say like you i'm ready to hang out whenever i think that was some maybe not verbatim your reply but dale Earnhardt jr said he's tuning in to chicago to watch you what did, what did that mean to you 
Yeah, that, I mean, that was kind of crazy. I obviously didn't see it until afterwards. Um, yeah. I was in, like, rough shape after the marathon. Like, I was just kind of, like, fetal position in the hotel room. But I called my mom to just, like, say, hey. And and she said, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. tweeted at you, which <laughs> I don't know if you know, but that's a band, right? And okay. so, and I'm, I, that's a band that I actually like. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr., that's cool. I wonder why they were watching. Um, and so I, I actually didn't know what actually happened until I took out my phone, not however many minutes later. And I was like, oh, it's Dale Earnhardt Jr., the NASCAR, NASCAR. driver. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which was kind of kind of fun, you know. I uh, not some. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was fun. Sure. Um, I actually was an. I used to be a NASCAR fan when I was a kid too. So um, oh, I like definitely knew about him and everything. So yeah, it was kind of fun, kind of crazy. It's sure. cool to see people like him tuning in. Oh yeah, even if it's not even directed at you, if you see it directed at someone else racing, but it's still like Dale Earnhardt. He's watching Chicago. That's, that's something to something to write about, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the sport can, can use any fan. We can, we can Honestly, get. sure. Yeah. Uh, Division three routes. I want to give you, so you have five slots. Can we fill five for the all Division three professional running team? So I have in mind Simmons, Nick Simmons, uh, mm-hmm. Will Lear, got to be up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're on the list now, whether you want to say it or not. Put Noah Drotty oh, nice. on the all D3 professional team. <laughs> Um, who else can we, can we put like, like Johnny Crane from North Central? Who am I missing? What do you I think? was going to say John Crane. Um, yeah, he's out running for Zap. Okay. Um, you know, he's definitely run well and I think he's got some real good races left in him. Uh, oh man, I do, dude, I know there's some like OG guys out there who okay. we are just totally missing, um, whose names I can't think. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head doing it right now is, is like, okay. is the thing. Um, so there's gotta be some guys in history who have run super well post collegiately. Yeah, I would say so. Just recency bias, I guess is what I have, but I have those four pretty much locked in Simmons, Lear, Drotty, Crane. I was trying to, I was going to ask for your opinion too, if I was missing anyone notable. No, you you said everyone that I know. Uh, yeah. Will Lear is actually out in Boulder now, so I get to run with him from time to time. He's a great dude. It's kind of fun having another like D3 guy around. In a follow-up email, Noah nominated Ian Lemire for the all-D3 professional running team. I've officially added Lemire to that squad. Lemire went to Wisconsin-Platteville and is now training with the Hansons Brooks Distance Project out of Michigan at Platteville. Lemire was a three-time national champion in the 10K, twice a cross-country national champion, also has the D3 record in the 10K, 28-38, now with Brooks, and earlier this month at the U.S. 10-mile championships, Lemire finished seventh place. So, Ian, congrats on your all-D3 professional team selection. Any uh, up-and-comers, D3 or not, on the road scene, because I know you're you follow the sport well, and you you want to give other guys who are maybe not a part of you know Bowerman Track Club, the Oregon Project, those Nike, Oregon Track Club, the three big Nike groups, and other uh, NJNY. You know any other names that you can give me now to keep an eye on for future of American track or distance running on the roads? Oh, that's, that's such a hard to announcement. Like, yeah, to like filter it down. <laughs> I'm you sure. You, yeah. 
I'll give you a more like general answer than that, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, like living in Boulder, which I would consider one of the true like hubs of post collegiate distance running. Like just in the last two years that I've been here, like the influx of runners has been really incredible to see. Like, like there's a lot of new faces in groups. There's a lot of new faces just kind of doing it on their own and moving out here. Yep. Um, so, yeah, dude, it's just an exciting time to be in this community. And there, there's so many guys who I would not be surprised at all if they just went out and popped some crazy time. Okay. Um, be, because I know what their training is. Uh, to give you a specific name, you know, <laughs> I, I'd get in trouble with all the names I didn't say. So I, I'll leave it. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But uh, there's some really there's a lot of talent. And uh, I'm just optimistic to see how it develops. Yeah. Sure. Um, outside of running, I know like you, when it, when it's practice time, from the time you wake up to around noon or whenever you you start working at Fleet Feet or taking a nap, whatever it is, like when you're running, you are you are all in. You are committed completely to the coach, the team, to your training. But you also like to not twenty four seven you know, label yourself as a runner, this runner, that you like to take time off from the running aspect of life with, with music, with other arts. Uh, what is it in your life that you try to go to that takes you away from running a little bit throughout the day? Yeah. I mean, well, in the short term, that's like going home for me. Like I love going home. None of my friends, they are runners really, you know, I mean, I definitely have some friends who, uh, some runner friends there, but like my core group from childhood, like none of those guys are runners. They, they love what I've done, you know, and stuff, but I, it's like, that's not a world they live in. So that, that's like, you know, we'll go and we'll hang out at the bar late and just like live a normal life. Like that's one thing I love to do after races is take a trip, um, especially with people who aren't runners. Cause you just get out of the lifestyle really fast yeah. and that's refreshing. Um, you know, just on a more like daily basis, um, like right now I'm kind of getting, getting on the bike and doing some bike rides, nothing, nothing hard, but just like to get out there. Um, you know, I, I like taking hikes whenever possible, which is really cool. There's a great music scene in Denver and Boulder, um, that I try to be a part of whenever I can. Um, yeah. And just like low key stuff around the house, just, you know, kind of hanging out and reading. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess it's not nothing super exciting, but just like ways to kind of, distract yourself a little bit so you're not just living in this world where you're hypercritical and overanalyzing everything you've done and so i just try to live be that guy from like 6 a.m to noon on days when i have to be and and it off as much as i as much as i can um you know for the rest of the day and it it's it's easy in boulder because there's a lot of other runners to keep you humble (laughs) you know so you're never like too big too big on yourself or too down on yourself because you understand it moves in cycles so sure. yeah just try to i don't know just trying to be a normal person i guess I, that people i think get surprised just by that but it's it's not that hard to do yeah absolutely you also have a sponsorship with polar watches uh what's your what's your favorite polar watch for running yeah they, they were the, actually the first ones who signed who signed me which which was great um okay. that's the first time like oh okay cool company kind of believes in me you know um obviously like the shoe sponsor is like the holy grail but um polar has been really great to me too uh so yeah i run in the the m430 
Um, it's just kind of they're all around. It does it does running and cycling and heart rate and yada yada. But yep. found it to be super accurate, easy to use, um, and they're great people too. I went out to their headquarters in New York after the race um, and spoke to the staff, and they're just all like genuine good people. And you know, obviously, I want the product to work well, which it does. But I also want to work with you know good companies, and uh, Polar is one of them. So I've yeah. I've been really lucky to work with them. Cool. I'm going to do this segment of the podcast. I've never done this on the podcast, but I I was digging through oh, no. I was digging through your <laughs> tweets like going way back. And I promise I'm not oh, going to bring out any dirt on you. I'm just going to try this game called Complete the Tweet. And so I went back to like we're talking 4 years ago, like 2013ish. And I'm going to see I'm glad I I'm glad I polished that. I went back, I went back when I first moved out here and, and, and deleted some of the most objectionable stuff. So, oh man, so, so you're, hopefully you're it won't be too bad. Pretty fresh on this, then. So I'm going to give you like I'm going to pull up a tweet and then well, I have the tweets here in mind. I'm going to say blank, and you have to try to fill in the blank like what you tweeted. So okay, fun. Yeah. So these are all I think all of them except one are from 2013, and it's like April, May, June, July ish. I'll just give the tweet. Okay. So I'm going to say blank and then I'm going to read the rest of the tweet and you have to try to fill in that blank with what you okay. tweeted back back in the day. So Okay. Here we go. Quick one to start off. Blank. Marry me. You, oh, uh, you called out Pam some Beasley. There was a Beasley is tweet, it... but this is not Beasley. Oh no. Oh, it, oh Zoe Deschanel. Yep. Got it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> next, next one. So you're addressing DePaul. You said DePaul, mm-hmm. where the blank knows your 5K time. The groundskeeper. Yeah, the grounds crew. I'll give it to you. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that day. That was that was like one of the first days I felt like a big shot. I was like, oh man. So he, this guy, this guy read the paper and knows who I am. That's pretty cool. <laughs> DePaul, where the grounds crew knows your 5K time. Okay, <laughs> now you're going to have to uh, complete two blanks from this tweet from April 2013. After, right. after finishing blank, I've decided to defer my college graduation to pursue a blank. Ooh, after, oh, God, was it, a, was it some kind of sports video game? It, it was basketball affiliated. I actually gave a word away there ah. for one of the blanks. But after finishing blank... I've decided to defer my college graduation to pursue hoop a, dreams. Yes, hoop dreams. Hoop dreams. Yes, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually pretty good. I'm surprised I'm actually getting these hoop dreams. I, yeah, I remember that. What that was pretty inspirational. I was ready to like, you Pers- know, hit the court after that. You said pursue a D1 basketball scholarship. Oh. Yeah, I had eligibility. <laughs> uh, so, so, and I played. High, I did play high school basketball, did you, which is you one played thing. ball in high school. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, for two years. Sweet. I was horrible. I think you, you tweeted uh, a photo, a basketball-related photo also about you got like this cool shot of the half of the ball and then there was a sign that said like no hanging on the rims or something. And you... Oh, yeah. That was at the gym, I, <laughs> at the gym where I worked. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one too. Um, Work, worked hard. September 2013. Blank is my spirit animal. Oh... You had a couple tweets about this. Well, about I'm not going to get this. It's a drink. It's a drink. 
Um, is it be- is it some type of beer? It's whiskey. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember, but that that sounds like something I might have said around that time. Whiskey is my spirit <laughs> animal. Uh, the day earlier, you said just upgraded to a new blank. It's a roomy twin. What's up, ladies? <laughs> Air mattress? Yep, got that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that must have been in, I think that was in Chicago. You know, you know your air mattresses. Dude, I've spent, uh, I've spent more nights than I care to count on them. <laughs> Next tweet. Uh, there's almost nothing worse than walking by a closed blank at 4 a.m. Uh, was it like a like a pizza shop or Ooh, close you're on you're on the right trajectory taco bell even closer uh that's as close as i'm gonna get on this chipotle one, chipotle okay <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i had a few of those like 4 a.m runs home from the bar in chicago <laughs> internship time was that yeah. uh that might have been post internship. so okay. i stayed in chicago a few months afterwards, just kind of hanging out. Sure. Uh, a day before that Chipotle tweet, you said, as unemployment looms, stay tuned for my blank debut. $2,000 coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, was it fun employment? Was I using that term at that point? It was just unemployment in this tweet. No fun employment yet. Oh, okay. So you said, stay tuned uh, for my blank blank debut. Ah, uh, I feel like it's on the tip of your I'm tongue. Not, you stumped you stump me on this one. Rap video. Rap video. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was like. <laughs> did that yeah, ever? All say that. Did that ever arrive, or did you? You never put that one. On uh, the I did. I did blow two grand, but it it was not videotaped. <laughs> <laughs> You might. You I'll might. do it steadily over the course of months. <laughs> Next, I promise. There's only like four left. Um, okay. You might have this now, but you said my only goal is to be worthy of a blank. And you might have this blank now. I I should know this in my prep for the interview, but. Um, oh, I, I know what I. It's one I'm gonna know as soon as you say it. Give me, yeah. give me a second. Yeah. Uh, Let's just say it tells us a little bit about you, if you had it. I'm not gonna get it. My only goal is to be worthy of a Wikipedia entry. Wikipedia entry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I still don't. I don't think I have one. I think I, I checked relatively recently and there, and there was still still a no-go so if anyone out there wants to fulfill a dream of no drives uh write write a short blow the bottom on, on wikipedia man i was tweeting a lot back then you were these were like kind of one a day maybe two a days um that was july Dance. that was july 2013 uh, mm-hmm. and, and then, it, it went dormant for a little while i i restarted my twitter when i moved out here okay yeah, you took that um, hiatus. I went back and scrubbed it a little bit, but like yeah. there was a long hiatus. <laughs> this might be a tough one from May 2013. You said, there's something about eating blank in small portions that makes you feel powerful. And it's not a specific restaurant. It's just a, like a generic kind of 
food. So I should say there's something about eating blank food in small portions that makes you feel powerful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, blank. Is, is it? It's not fast food. I, I don't know. No, almost the expen- uh, opposite. I just basically yeah. said expensive small, food. Yeah. Expensive food in small. Yeah. Small plates. Um, nice cheeses. <laughs> It's like you're not you're not even eating to get full. You're just eating nice stuff because you can. I almost I almost liked or you know favorited or retweeted some of these, but I thought you mean like day or two before the interview, he might think you know what's going on here, and that would have given away some of these questions. <laughs> it would have given you the answers. No, I, I think I'm, I might go back through and start retweeting myself and get some of these gems. <laughs> this is a gem here. So two left again. May 2013. You said if only we paid blank. Like we pay blank. I give you two blanks. I might. Um, was it poets like quarterbacks? Yep, you got it. Yeah, I remember that one. If only we yeah, paid poets like we pay quarterbacks. I it. Yeah, I was just I I've been reading too many like starving artists and then watching too much football and I was just like this is crazy. Can <laughs> you know, it's like both of these people have an enormous like poets have an enormous value to society and you know it could be argued quarterbacks do too. But the pay discrepancy—it's just like incredible, astronomical. It's alarming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last one here. This one says it was from 2016, so you might get this right away. Um, how many? Uh, how many whole blank is it acceptable to eat in a week? Hashtag asking uh, for a friend. <laughs> frozen pizzas. Yep, got it. Yeah, I had a bad habit uh, <laughs> whenever because I lived right next to a grocery store at my first place. I would just like walk over there and grab like a $3 frozen pizza and that would be dinner and like sometimes <laughs> breakfast. How many are you can? How many were you consuming then? Um, I, I'd say like three a week was not uncommon. Okay. Okay. Well, Noah, that about wraps up the interview. Um, I also, oh, one more thing. I, I read that you had a radio show at DePauw in the communications yeah. department. Yeah. Was that, how, how sweet was that? Um, did you have a co-host? Oh, or it was, was awesome. It just, yeah. Um, some, some semesters I would do, uh, I would do it solo. And then other times I would uh, co-host with my buddy Stu Newstat, who is all, actually a coach at DePauw now. Um, nice. But yeah, DePauw was, DePauw was great because it's such a small school that you can really do anything you want to do so I like wrote for the paper here and there just like op-ed articles and I hosted a radio show every every semester just like one hour a week I would just kind of go in play the music I wanted to play yeah yeah it, it was it was just fun it was super chill you get to sit in the radio station and like listen to music you want to listen to and you know talk here and there it was yeah it was it was a lot of fun um and I've, I've thought about getting involved with community radio here um but it's just like i haven't actually made a concrete step towards that but it's something still on my mind sure i was curious if you were uh thinking about podcasting or doing something with radio still in in the time you have outside of running outside of your training i feel like i feel like i do plenty of podcasts i don't really want to start my own (laughs) but I, i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind like you know, doing like I did before, just having kind of a radio program totally unrelated to, to running, but yeah. just, you know, playing music that I like. And it also gives you a great excuse to continue being adventurous in music and finding stuff, you know, like seek out new music, which I don't, I think a lot of us fail to do as we get older. Sure. 
So on the spot right now, do you think you could give me three artists that I or the listeners should check out in the near future or immediately after listening to this? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of give you the ones that have been like influential to me. Um, not necessarily stuff I'm listening to a lot right now, mm-hmm. um, but stuff that I've like kind of have been my go-to's traditionally. Um, I would say like my favorite band of all time is Brand New. Um, yeah, that's one band I've listened to over the years. Um, in that same vein, uh, Manchester Orchestra has been like hugely important to me over the years, um, and then. And then I'll give you one like current interest. Uh, there's a, an indie band called Pine Grove that I've been getting in, pretty into. So okay. those are two, two throwbacks and a current one. Bingo. That's what I was looking for there. Yes. All right. Oh, and uh, 2012 DePaul women's basketball won the national title. Yeah, they did. Is that yeah, your, that was, that your was junior year? That was senior year. Yeah. Senior so year. that they, okay. uh, well, wait, was it? Because we graduated in May of 2013, I think it must have been. I think it must have been my senior year. Okay. I think yeah, was, I think they the won tweet. the title. This is another Hope College connection. I think Hope was hosting that Final Four, and I believe the DePaul women won on my alma mater's home court that year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dreams of D3 women's <laughs> basketball. Wild man. But uh, I knew a lot of girls on that team. It was super fun to watch him and then a lot of them came out for track um the next the next season so yeah it was super cool just like you know just to have like a culture of excellence you know and just be like okay these girls are doing it like they're pursuing it with everything you know definitely was motivating to me yeah it can trickle down into other programs at the school for sure you see the success yeah yeah definitely all right no well i kept you beyond an hour um i Appreciate the time and just you'll can't... be hearing from my agent. <laughs> I'm hearing from your agent. Uh, I'm sure, this isn't the end right here. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just I'm excited to give the listeners more of your story and again, like what Noah Drati is like off the roads and off the track. And hope we uh, got to we did dig into that in this interview. And yeah, man. Again, I appreciate the time and next race. In Indianapolis, trying to go for that fifth win. Going for the half decade, yeah. So that, that's Boom. the next. Uh, that's the next thing. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for thanks for having me. Appreciate the airtime, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Congrats on everything that has transpired in the last few years. It's been incredible to follow, and uh, just hope the fans stay loyal and you keep keep grinding it out there in Boulder. And we'll be we'll be continuing to follow your career, indeed. Yeah, man. I believe in the I believe in the good things coming. So <laughs> absolutely, the, uh, the trajectory continues. All righty, Noah. Thanks for the time. Pleasure, man. Take care. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to Hooray Run podcast episode twelve. Many thanks to Noah Drotti for joining the podcast. Follow Noah on social media: Twitter at I Built the Arc. I think that's one of the top three best professional athlete handles on twitter at i built the arc if we're talking biblically related handles that's got to be number one as far as i'm concerned also follow noah on instagram that's noah underscore Drotty. hooray run podcast subscribe on the podcast app on your phone tell a friend recommend 
Just search Hooray Run Podcast, iTunes, podcast app. It's also on SoundCloud. It's on Stitcher. Hopefully we'll get on Spotify soon. HoorayRun.com. Hoping to get some sweet writing up on the .com in the next two weeks. And follow Hooray Run on social media. Facebook page. Twitter is at Hooray underscore run. Instagram is going. It's just Hooray Run, one word. Yeah, keep spreading the word. Great to have you on board. Many thanks again to Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer, for the intro-outro beats. And a big shout-out, as always, to my friend Matthias Mekis, who goes by the name of Hopeful Utopian with his music. So Happy You're Here is the song you hear at the start of this podcast by Hopeful Utopian. I had a fantasy basketball draft the other night, and I just had Hopeful Utopian rolling in the background during the draft. Loved it. I've decided, starting with this episode, to stop rhyming with each episode number. First 11 episodes, I'd always conclude the podcast by rhyming with the episode number. So like, episode 8, this was great. That wasn't it, but that's just the example of how I concluded each podcast. So from here on out, starting with episode 12, I think I'm just going to give a shout out to a friend or family member. This episode shout out goes to my older sister, Carrie, whose running streak turned a year old on October 18th. Congratulations to Carrie running at least a mile every day for over a year. Keep it rolling.